0: episode 82 what's hurting the optometry profession i'm your host dr justin trosclair and today we hear dr john armandos and dr scott colonna perspective join 2017 podcast awards nominated host dr justin trosclair as he gets a rarely seen look into the specialties of all types of doctors and guests plus marketing travel tips struggles goals and relationship advice let's hear a doctor's perspective Hey, welcome back. I hope you guys were able to nominate us for the podcastawards.com under health and wellness. I appreciate it. Whew. One month, well, less than a month, and I will be a daddy. Wow, so crazy. You know, we're gonna spend a month at the hospital. They have this program here where like they'll teach you how to bathe the baby and lotion it and massage, and the new mom will go to like yoga classes and arts and crafts, and uh, they just really take care of you for like an entire month something new they do here instead of having like a, a your mom come over and do it or um you know over here in, in china they, the new moms they're not really supposed to do much for that first month so this is a way that uh, i can keep my wife happy <laughs> as well as um i think it'd still be good i think that even though i don't really quite understand it it's going to be a, a nice way to Make that first month a little bit easier and have some helping hands uh, with nurses and know you're doing stuff right. I guess that after that's going to be pretty tough (laughs) because you'll be by yourself again. But uh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge. Well, today's guests, they are longtime optometrists in Providence, Rhode Island. They've got a pretty cool Facebook Live series called Empire Builder. But really why they're here is because of their Uppercut Advantage optometry consulting firm. And uh, we haven't had that on the show yet, and I've been looking for one. And these two guys did not disappoint whatsoever. I mean, we're going to talk about things. But, you know, who's your first hire? You know, obviously you might need a front desk person to answer the phone, maybe an optician, but but what else? What's what's some of your first hires that you should do, and why? Uh, big box stores versus private practice or is online glasses places. What is that doing to the profession? If you're complaining about working or Complaining about seeing too many patients. What's, what's the deal? Uh, what to look for when hiring a consultant. Uh, ways to increase your revenue. It doesn't always mean having to find more and more new patients either. Uh, they got a cool little uh, discussion about that. Way to get kids to see if they need a prescription. And between the two of them, they've got six different kids. So we actually skip the spouse and we talk about how to raise a kid that is exceptional and... You know, they're so business minded. How do, you, how do you get your kids to care about that kind of stuff at a younger age or a teenager, if that's even possible? And uh, these two guys are just, they're really good at what they're doing. They've got a lot of credentials. They've been uh, optometrists for a very long time. And so now they're ready to, to, to help others because there's just no need to suffer out there. So you should really find some good information out of this episode today. Show notes at doctorsperspective.net slash two. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China and Rhode Island, we have two amazing doctors on the show. Both graduated from the State University of New York College of Optometry. They're senior partners at Uppercut Consulting. And uh, there's a Dr. John Armando. He has internships and extra training in glaucoma, corneal disease, and contact lens fitting. And we got Dr. Scott Colonna who did internships in ocular disease and is a big specialty in infants and pediatric care. They're a wealth of knowledge. Get ready. Welcome for the show.
1: Thank you, Justin. Thank you for having us.
0: Absolutely. Well, what was the catalyst? I know sometimes we just we become successful in what we do, and we're like, all right, we just got to give back. But what made y'all decide to, to create Uppercut Consulting? Where's that name come from, too? And um, what's your specialty in that, in the optometry field?
2: So how we started with the name, we were actually all sitting at a restaurant discussing the concept of the new company. And this is something that we wanted to do for years, but we just never had the time, to be honest. We were inundated in our work, at our practice, seeing patients. And it wasn't until we really started delegating um, getting out of patient care, that uh, we decided, well, we can do this. We want to help the independent practitioner uh, really get to a different level where we know all of them can. Uh, we see a lot of them struggle, and I just think it has to do with uh, some guidance that they, they really do need. Uh, so we sat down in a restaurant. We had a few good steaks, and a bottle of wine came out, and the wine was called Uppercut. And we're sitting there, and we're just all talking, and we're like, "Well, what are we going to call the, you know, what are we going to call the company?" So we looked at the bottle, and we're like, "Uppercut," and we're like, "That's pretty cool," and it has a lot of different meanings, obviously that that uh, people can can think of, and uh, you know, we we kind of leave it up to the imagination from there. So that's how we came up with that name.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now, something real interesting you mentioned already was. You must have been reading some books or heard from successful people delegating Uh, as solo practitioners. We tend to be the marketer. We tend to be hire, fire, product orders. Is that very common in optometry where you all do all of those things? Are you better at hiring someone and getting that out of there?
1: Well, I'll tell you, we we did everything ourselves in the beginning because we didn't obviously have the revenue to to hire. And, And we did learn a lot about it. Uh, but I almost think it's it's one of the, the faults that coming out of school in optometry, we're, we're trained to be great optometrists optically, medically. Uh, we're not trained to run a business, though. And that's where we kind of try to put on these different hats. And we put on as many hats as we can for a number of years until we're ready to just pass out on the floor. So you know, we've taken the approach where in order to grow your company and your business, we needed to delegate and change our ways of doing things early on. And it helped enhance our patient experience at the same time, because we were able to to sit back, embrace the delegation, which took a long time, because it was not easy to give things up in the beginning to, to others, right? I mean, it's just, I think, the human nature that we always think we could do something better ourselves. Even if we we really don't know how to do it, we just think we're going to do it better, right? So we had right. to get over ourselves a little bit. And we fought about that for a number of years, John and I together. And uh, And once we got past that point, we were able to develop the company and get back to the vision that we wanted for our practice and for our patients and their, their experience coming to see us, you know? So, um, it took a number of years for us to get to that point though.
0: So actually that forgot about that. Y'all actually work in the same practice and now have a consulting firm together.
2: Correct. Yeah. We don't, we don't actively have a patient schedule anymore. Uh, so, you know, we own the practice. We have meetings with our management team, so we are solely focused actively on Uppercut Consulting.
0: Okay. So this is something I'm curious because every time I've gone to a private optometrist, they've always had a upfront person who you know fits your eyes, fits the glasses, and kind of controls that area. Is that one of the best first hires or delegations that you can do in your field?
1: You know – I think that's the way it's been done in the past. But as our field is evolving, we are finding that you need to get an office manager in the office sooner rather than later. So you can go with the front receptionist, you can go with the medical technician, and then an optical person. But then the next hire has to be, if it's not by that point, in our opinion, an office manager to handle the issues, so the doctor could be the doctor. I mean, that's what we're all about. We, we want the doctor to do the things that we went to school for, not be sidetracked with all this other ancillary stuff that comes up constantly while you're trying to see patients, right? So uh, so that's really where we've kind of gone with things and, uh, and we're constantly learning and trying to improve in different ways uh, to enhance that experience because it, then it gives back to the patients, you know?
0: Well why don't they just all work at a big box store? You want that
1: one? Uh,
0: so <laughs> <laughs> I'm setting you up a softball. You on did, this one.
1: <laughs> you know? So for me, I'm not I'm I'm me. So I need to control the vision of what I'm doing. And the big box stores, what they do is they take out the creativity and almost give guidelines for how you're supposed to take care of your patient. So we allow, in our framework, our doctors to have individual input into how they take care of their patients. You know, we don't give them this, you have to do A, B, C, D. We give them a structure, but within that structure, we allow them to take that individual part of what they want to do and take that to the next level where you cannot do that in the big box setting. And the big box setting is getting financially squeezed because of online competition and so forth. And now that's getting pushed from the retail side and they're putting that financial burden more on the doctors and the doctors have to pay higher leases for their space and so forth. So that industry is being strained uh, at this time due to the online competition of things.
2: Oops, sorry. One of those examples, Justin, uh, just recently, um, we're seeing that some of the Sears opticals are closing in America. There's a, there's a huge number of them closing. So these doctors who are in you know, corporate optometry uh, that have worked at these opticals for years and years, they're, 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 their strings are being pulled by corporate, and all of a sudden they're not going to have a job. Um, and they've been there for right. quite a long time. So it's, you know, you want to be able to delegate, but you also want to be able to kind of control your own destiny, you know, at the same
0: time. Is the private practices, you know, the online glasses, I mean, that just seems like a lot of people was like, oh, why don't I just pay $50 for a pair of glasses instead of three or 400 at the private place? Is there like a difference in the quality of glasses that you're getting or is it just up pricing because – You can because you're in a private practice or what's your thoughts on that? So
1: I can't speak for everyone, but I can say, you know, it's not up pricing just because you can. There is a different level in the quality of what you're getting, speaking in our practice and our clients practices, you know. Um, So Mm -hmm. that is you do you do get what you pay for in that level of product. So that is one aspect of it. The other part of it is is the personal and the customer and client support afterwards so if you do have issues with things you have someone that you could go to that's been taking care of you and is familiar with your ocular health right so if you're having an issue we know what your your health situation of your eyes is behind that where if you're getting something online i mean it happens and it happens often where someone has an issue with their glasses and they come in and they didn't purchase them through us, but they need help. They need assistance. They need repairs. They need these types of things. So you are paying for that support and education that we do provide. And that's where we set ourselves apart in the experience. Um, And we do try to always have affordable options for the patients that don't have the financial means to spend you know, high dollar amounts for for their glasses. And it's still, again, products that, you know, we approve ourselves because we know they're at a certain tested level um, of what we're giving out, you know, and providing to the patients.
0: Well, I can attest to this. I bought a couple of pairs of glasses here in China, the wife as well. And I'm telling you that they look pretty for a while, and then the cool part starts to, to flake <laughs> off. you're like, what kind of cheap... Paint job that you guys <laughs> put on these glasses. So when I went home, I was like, "Man, I had these old pairs, the ones I'm wearing right now. They're metal. They never, you know, nothing's ever happened for them. And of course, they're like three or four times the price. And uh, I was like, I'm gonna just get some new lenses. This is this is the best option. I was like, I can't be walking around with flaking glasses anymore. This is ridiculous.
1: <laughs> no, it is true, you know. Um, and, I, and I think
0: it's that way. It we don't it realize is- it when you buy them. Yeah. So okay. I want to know, if you're willing to share, when we're looking for clients, oh man, sometimes you get the doctors that you could tell them anything. They would execute it. They would be your your top stars. It, it seems like there's always those people. And then you've got the, I guess, the 80% that are kind of like, ah, I just, I can't get out of my own way. Or I have, uh, you know, there's always an excuse, oh, my town's different or da, 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 da. So what are some of the these struggles that your clients, maybe the top two struggles that your clients have that you're always having to kind of battle?
2: As far as in the beginning, I I feel as though when doctors graduate uh, optometry school, you know, in our case, sometimes there's this um, false perception that it's going to be the easy road right after that, because, hey, I just got that degree, right? where actually it's the complete opposite and that's when uh just bottom line you have to work extremely hard and you have to love to do it um you can't look at it as a as a negative type of thing where oh i went to school for eight years and now i have to work well yeah you know you 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 (laughs) You gotta work you you gotta still work um
0: they said I'd open the doors and see 30 patients the first day. That's what happened? right.
2: That's right. <laughs> so, you know, in order to see those patients, a lot of it is is customer service based, but you do have to have a marketing component to it. You know, just being involved in the community is extremely important. Treating your patients like, you know, your friends and extended family is extremely important. Uh, you know, but you you should never be complaining as a doctor that you're seeing a lot of patients. You should never be complaining that you have to work on Saturday. You should never be complaining that you have to work 70 to 80 hours a week because you're growing your practice. It's yours. You know, you're, you're working for yourself. We're one of the lucky few that actually are able to even do something like this. So, you know, uh, we, 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 we get a lot of flack for sometimes
1: saying that to the doctors, but um, but it's just the reality. Yeah, I would also say to add to that, you know, the other thing we get a lot from, from our clients is the aversion to change, right? So
0: Oof, they wow. hire
1: us and we meet with them and, and they want to accomplish goals. You know, we ask them right off the bat, we want to know their three business goals and their three personal goals because we want to make sure... We could help them as a client, right? That our values align. We're very big into that. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk to them about change and put together a, a program and a schedule for, to help them, at, you know, to attain these goals. And they look at us and they're like, well, I don't want to change that. Or my office manager doesn't want to change that. Well, I got news for you. They talk about, you know, how do you ever change anything in your industry The only way you get to grow things is through change, right? You can't keep doing the same thing. If you do the same thing over and over, we know what they talk about that, right? It's insanity. So Mm -hmm. you, you need to change things in the office and you need to embrace that with your staff and you need to communicate that with your staff. So I'd say the biggest issue that we've been encountering is that I want to do this. I want to accomplish X. But you need to change something to get to it. And there's work, again, we keep coming back to this word work, don't we? There's work involved in in change, right? So that's why I think as human beings, we shy away from change because it is going to require time and effort. Uh, But it's the only way you get to the next level and can scale your business.
0: Now, I'm curious what your thoughts are, because if my staff member were to say, I'm not going to do that, is it time to start looking for a new staff member?
2: Yeah, that that's great. Um, so
0: it's my business. We we
2: there's a uh, there's a Facebook page that I um, I threw a question out on, and I asked the optometrist what is the most challenging part of owning your, your own business, and 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 Justin probably about ninety percent of the answers was staff. Okay, now, so I was like, wow. You know, that's really interesting. But when you sit back and you kind of reflect on all of those answers, and if I were, and there's not such a thing, but if there was such a thing of a Facebook page of all staff members, and I asked the same question, what, what, what do we know the answer is going to be? What do we know? We know it's going to be the doctor, Right
0: doctor just every five minutes he's changing his yeah. mind and he's not focused and he's
2: right so it's it's just really something how you know one of the doctors even said oh if i can only clone myself and then you know i can give me like 15 me. i was like that's the worst thing that you want to do right now you do not <laughs> want to do that <laughs> um so we doctors need to kind of self-reflect and, and know that they necessarily aren't managers unless they, you know, have a degree maybe in business management. And even at that point in time, sometimes still not the greatest managers. But um, so as far as staff goes, doctors either need to really educate themselves on how to manage the staff, because a lot of the times staff needs guidance and they want guidance. They want it. Not Mm -hmm. everyone is a manager. Not everyone wants to be a manager, right? Uh, So they, but they do need guidance. They need a set of principles to go by. If, if things are being changed, like you said, every five minutes, you know, we're, we're implementing something and then all all of a sudden it didn't work once. Now we change it again. (laughs) Right. And now that didn't work once. And now we change it. Well, I mean, you know, after a while, you, you have to start to realize that that's not the way to go.
0: Now, uh, switching gears a little bit, on the flip side, doctors are calling you, they're, they're considering your services. What are some of the common concerns that they're having, that they're experiencing to actually want to hire somebody to help them?
1: So I'd say the, the number one uh, biggest thing that people are concerned about when they call us is that we cost too much. Everything okay. Everything to them centers around, How much is going to cost them? And I think it's a challenge we find in all industries. You know, we work with different fields, medical fields, chiropractors, primary care doctors also, we have this mindset where it's cost, and it's a dollar amount, and I have to pay you X. We need to almost look at it differently and say, let's talk about growth because if you're gonna pay us hundred dollars a month for a service well I got news for you if you see how many more patients what's the growth of it right it's about it's about mm. growing the practice in the direction that they want so and I think this is a, a society issue you know for a number of years you get out and it's like you have student loans you have all these things going on do I buy a house where's my rent and it's all about cost right it's, it's cutting it's it's you can only cut so much before you start to sacrifice the quality of care and experience for your staff and the culture for your staff. So if your staff sees you cutting everywhere to save money, well, I got news for you. Eventually, you're going to cut yourself out of business. So you need to outgrow the expenses that keep rising each year. And, and that's really our kind of mindset with, you know, it's almost changing the mindset of, let's talk about growth. Let's talk about something exciting. We're in a great profession. All of us are really blessed to be able to provide a service and enhance people's quality of life, right? Let's take the the negative bashing of uh, that goes on on the internet all the time of our profession, and it goes on in pretty much every medical profession we're starting to learn, right? That it's not good. The future is not good. It's not this. It's not that. It's great if you want to make it great. You know, if you want to be a great doctor, well, then hire a great office manager and let them manage the office so you could be the great doctor that you want to be. You know, so that positive aspect of things is really important. We think when we talk to our, our clients and just changing that mindset from cost savings and and growth and enhancing what's going on with their company. So it's definitely a, a thing we discuss a lot with, you know, prospective clients going forward on a daily basis.
0: So I have a question then. You know, you said you do different doctors, but I'm going to just kind of focus on eye doctors for a mm-hmm. second. Other than maybe getting more exams for contacts, which I think is a little bit of a higher price and selling more glasses or whatever, where is there... What's like one or two ways an opportunity to get to make not necessarily make more money, but offer more services that you can get reimbursed for? Is it like putting transition lenses on somebody's glasses that they otherwise wouldn't have thought of? Is there what what else is out there? How how do y'all upsell patients? Yeah, uh it's it's actually. Ethical, right,
2: right.
0: Obviously, <laughs> obviously, we're talking ethical, guys. Come on, we know we, that's just understood. We're not talking about billing well, crazy my, things. My or anything, answer It's
2: probably as ethical as it gets because it's really not a, a selling thing. It's uh, we have found over time that a lot of the growth is in the medical portion of you know of the business where patients really have issues with, say, for instance, dry eyes. Right now, that is a huge topic especially with everyone being on their computers and iphones and you know a little thing that i I tell a lot of my friends and they never even think of this it's when you're on a phone and you're on a computer you don't blink as much because because you're staring right so you're not naturally blinking like you would be just walking around right you're staring at content (laughs) these things over time can cause severe dry eye uh, and then it's also a, a natural thing over time, just with aging, that your eye doesn't make enough oil. So your tears are made of oil and water and mucus mixture. Um, so these are areas that especially um, a lot of older women experience. And, you know, as doctors previously, we we're just like, well, here's a, here's a, uh, you know, a bottle of uh, artificial tears for you and try that and good luck. Yeah, but now um, they uh, there there is a ton of technology out there now where where doctors are creating actual dry eye spas. Believe it or not, Um, now now that may get a little yeah that may get a little crazy, but um, people are seeing extraordinary results from these things where it actually changes their life because it's an ongoing gritty sandy feeling that they feel every single day um and it's miserable right uh so from from the medical side there are a lot of
0: things uh you know we
2: can do i think much more so than um even in the optical area
0: that's wild. you know i guess it's one of those if you didn't actually use an approved i think i had an eye doctor on one time and she had recommended an appropriate eye drop if you had like dry and itchy eyes, I don't remember what it was called now, but it's like, you don't even know how bad it is until you actually probably have it corrected. You're like, Oh my gosh, that's what my eyes are supposed to feel <laughs> yeah. like. I can't believe it. Right.
2: <laughs> like you haven't gone to the doctor for 10 years and you get a new pair of glasses and you're like, Whoa, I could actually see something, you be- know? So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Which one has the, the pediatric specialty? That would be me. When When you have a little kid, maybe under five, under three, What's one way to determine if they need glasses?
1: So it's one of the areas where the technology is not there yet to to really rely on it, to determine if a child needs glasses or not. We use a, it's, it's kind of a, a staple in optometry and historically a technique where we shine a light in their eyes and we read how it reflects off their eye. Ooh. And that's how we determine what their prescription is objectively, because obviously we can't sit there with a two-year-old. I don't know. There's some pretty advanced two-year-olds out there right now, but, um, you know, we can't sit there and ask them, you know, what are the letters? Do you see it better or worse? One or two and all those things, right? Um, So so really, it's it's a technique we learned in school. It's called retinoscopy. And it's something where we actually include in our interviews for doctors that we're hiring to find out if they can handle that skill because we do believe it's important in determining determining a child needs for need for glasses uh, at such a young age you know so I'm sure the technology like everything else will continue to advance and and improve to the point of where it will help us more in the probably the near future um, but that's how we really handle that at this point and it's really enjoyable i've I, i've loved seeing and taking care of of small children uh even before i was a father so
0: and you could you could get a- yeah, i expected you to say you put their face in those little machines yeah. you know <laughs> the, the machines you guys have pretty much almost does everything you need yeah they um, don't do a
2: great job at all with uh with kids believe it or not they're, they're uh very very inaccurate uh with children oh. Uh, especially with children, not not with adults, um, but with young children. Young children tend to do something called accommodate, which when they look up close, their prescription can completely shift. So mm. I've had people that, ha- you know, parents that have come home with children and they have these, you know, really this thick prescription. And then I do that retinoscopy that, you know, Scott was talking about and none of it's there. And I'm like, whoa! So I know that they went somewhere uh, that relied on that machine uh, for this, because uh-huh. it usually is a particular type of prescription that that it that will come out on those machines. And this was like hallmark for that. Um, <laughs> and
0: do uh, your job, damn. people. So it, it's
2: uh, it's interesting because just doing that little simple old school test can be extremely accurate, believe it or not. We can. We can get it on the money sometimes with, um, you know, with a lot of these very young children. It's, it's pretty
0: cool. That is cool. That was a selfish question. My wife and I both wear glasses. I just know my kid at some point is going to need it. I just hope not <laughs> as a little baby. As cute as they are with those little wrapping-on right. glasses, I'm like, please <laughs> make it to like fourth grade. <laughs> okay. I'm into this marketing business. I, I love it. It's fun. Um, until like Facebook shuts you down for a bad post and then you're like, oh no, dang it. I forgot to, you know, there's all these. Anyway, we'll go another story. Chiropractors, dentists, I'm guessing eye doctors. Well, actually, definitely you guys. They all have at least the big box stores. Get an exam or buy a pair of glasses. Your exam's free. Okay. <laughs> there's got to be better ways than giving out the form. What are a tactic or two that... Are we could do as marketing for marketing our practices without just doing a 1999 exam, or whatever is the equivalent in your profession.
1: Yeah, uh, I, you know, we started. We started. I'm going to call it old school, and I, and it still works the best. Yeah. So we made up information flyers, and we visited everybody we possibly could physically. We showed up at the school nurses. We showed up at the YMCA's, the boys and girls clubs we went there and talked about ourselves, right? I know that's, it's kind of, some people call it, you shouldn't say that, you know, you shouldn't do that. It's kind of like selling yourself. Well, yes, you know what? I'm selling myself because I know we can provide a service to who they take care of. So that networking by showing up, smiling, telling them what we could do and provide services for them is the way we began growing our small practice when we started you know we only had seven employees at the time when we started and we now have 55 so old school shaking hands networking providing information to them is how we educated all the people around us and that's how we initially grew our our company uh from the seven to where we are now and we still do that today
0: believe it or not even medical doctors when they when they join a new big hospital, the new guy they'll take them around the h r will take them around to meet all the other doctors to let them know like, hey, this is what we services this is what the offering I mean they have everything built in so they don't really have to go and hustle as bad as we do you know at the schools but that works you know chiropractors say the same thing like you gotta go go visit all the businesses, go shake hands, pass out cards, mm-hmm. care about the other person so That's real good. I like that. It's about
1: the value, you know, and, um, you know, the free exam kind of ads that you talked about. What value do you put on yourself and your staff and the experience? You might charge $500 for an eye exam or an an adjustment, uh, but if you can truly serve the patient and explain that that 500, they're going to get way more than that free exam, right? It's about the value and the experience that you're providing, uh, not the dollar amount of things, you know? So I, I think that's really what we've done over the years and our staff. I mean, our staff has done a tremendous job because uh, we believe our staff is actually more important than us as the doctors, which I know I probably just really upset some people that I just said that, but well, uh, uh, they spend more time with the patients face to face than we do. Yeah,
0: you know, they answer the phone. Yeah,
2: yeah. and it's about educating uh, you know the patients on the benefits that they're getting. So the people that give the free eye exams, there is always going to be a, a sector of people that. Only want the cheapest thing. Now, neither you nor I are going to change that mindset usually. But what we have to realize is, is there is a, a huge uh, percentage of people that are not like that. They they want you know the true eye care, the quality eye care, the quality pair of glasses. It's sometimes not who you think. Just because mm-hmm. certain people may not be in the the upper uh, class part of society, doesn't necessarily mean they won't pay a lot of money to get their eyes examined. Some we, uh, there are some patients that come in, and my goodness, I wish I was so concerned about my eyes as they were about theirs. Mm-hmm. Some of the the things that they would explain to me, they're they're like, well, I don't care about anything else. All I care about are my eyes, you know. So. You're going to have that that spectrum of people that go from one end to the other,
0: and it's sometimes I forget that in optometrists, they're not an optician. They're not just here's your prescription. You actually are. We could see. Oh, you have hypertension. Oh, you've got some serious stuff going on in your eye, and that is why we have to do the exam because you may not even know about it until you have an issue. Then you can be like, Oh no, where do I go? Who's the best? Who's the best guy around? Right. <laughs> And you want to catch those things early, not five years too late because you were being cheap. Yeah, we can
2: medically treat glaucoma now, and uh, and it, well, in forty nine of the fifty states, we you know we've been able to treat glaucoma, um, and uh, you know we co manage obviously cataracts, and in some states they could do LASIK surgery, laser surgery, uh, optometry can. Uh, really yeah yeah. so it's uh, you know it's expanding quite a bit and the the ophthalmologists are becoming really technically just the surgeons most of the time and then they bring them back to us but a lot of the medically treated stuff we deal with all of that so they don't want to even be bothered with that now the ophthalmologists they just want to do the surgeries and and hand them back off so
0: that sounds like business (laughs) that's (laughs) right Who have been some of your influential guides, whether that's books, your own mentors, the own your own coaches that you've hired in the past that shaped you guys the most?
2: Uh, f- for myself, uh, a- and I-, I know for Scott also, we are big sports guys. B- besides my father, uh, we, uh, you know, which I, personally he showed me how to work hard and how to kind of not talk but just do you know so from that aspect i just watched him a lot and and he didn't have to say too much to me but uh, the amount of work that he just put in throughout his life um, i really admired and and it made me realize that that's what i had to do from a humbling standpoint i would say my football coach and uh, american football (laughs) <laughs> no, not soccer. <laughs>
0: like, Get out of here, FIFA. Like we call
2: it here. Just being involved, a uh, uh, part of a team, he brought me personally all the way down to as low as you can possibly go, <laughs> um, probably mentally and physically. And then at the same point, brought me up as high and, and beyond my potential, what I really expected that I could do myself. Hmm. A great coach sees what you can do more so than you can yourself, and that that's exactly what he was. He, he was extremely influential in my life. It's, it's one of the reasons why I feel that when times are tough, I'm mentally strong to be able to get through practically anything. Um, there's not, not much that phases me at this point in my life.
1: <laughs> wow. I would say for me, you know, I grew up in New York City. Um, so my father, you know, worked on Wall Street and I was surrounded by numbers every day. And it's it's basically led me to what my role is now, uh, owning, you know, multiple businesses and consulting finance numbers. It, it gets me excited to help people understand their numbers and to grow their numbers. So growing up there... And the energy in New York City that you kind of, you really got, you really got to step up your game if you want to be successful there. The competition is is pretty fierce, you know. And even though I haven't lived there uh, for years now when I moved out, it's still something that is a is a driving force. And you know, one of my first financial advisors was a key mentor of mine in understanding money and investment and and helped us a great deal in the beginning and unfortunately he did you know he he passed away from cancer a number of years ago but he was a great mentor for me in growing what we're doing today and i just try to always pass that on to who we're working with and especially as i raise you know terry and i raise our our two children you know that's really what's most important to me you know at this point
0: so I wanted to ask one question before we switch to the little more personal side of the interview about the kids and those types of things. Usually there's more than just one consulting company out there for doctors in a specialty. Uh, And then there's always some that you're just like, please just stay away from. We're not going to mention names. But is there a way to spot a company that we should avoid? It's kind of like fly by night or just going to take your money and run?
2: I would say the... Well, we we Do <laughs> You want to really tell them yeah, well, yeah. Well, there's, there's this <laughs> quote, right, that uh, we were talking about a few days ago. It, uh, it it I'll just kind of paraphrase it, but kind of says, "Beware of the person who criticizes from the stands but has never been on the field." Oh yeah. Okay? <laughs> there are people who are consultants that have really not had the experience and you know nothing against younger people who aspire to do that, and nothing against you know really anyone but myself. I, I want to I want to consult with people who have already been where I want to be. That, that's who I want to be with. There are tons of opinions out there the ones that are really good are the ones that have actually done it and, you know, went through that, you know, went through the fire per se, you know, to have all those experiences, the good and the bad, there really is nothing like that. Uh, And, you know, unfortunately it takes years and years to build that, you know, reading it in a book is uh, sometimes maybe You know, books are great. Um, I personally hate to read, so I do audio. I do audio books all the time. Um, That counts, right? So I, uh, not (laughs) really, but I'll give you that. (laughs) I'll write down notes, though. I do do that. (laughs) But uh, you know, those things are great tools. But it really does not compare to to the real experience of being in it all the way in it. Um, I, I could tell you that. If there's one thing that I know about Scott and myself is that we were in it. <laughs> we we still are in it, but we really couldn't couldn't have been more deep into what we, you know, what we consult on.
0: So yeah. Yeah.
1: And I would say some of them out there are, that... are very cookie cutter in their approach. And mm-hmm. we you know, we believe that there's a uniqueness to the individual's practice. Not the problems, because the problems, everybody thinks their problems only apply to them, but they could think that if they want for now. We try to take a per and we do take a personal approach and get to know the owners and guide their plan towards their goals. We don't just send them, okay, chapter one is this, let's work on this. Chapter two, we have we have areas we work on, but we tailor it toward their goals and their business. In their situation, because we have clients that have multiple locations and have, Mm -hmm. you know, 50, 60 employees. And then we have clients that have three employees. So we can't just tell them the same information because it's going to be perceived very differently and utilized, if any, by them. And there's there's ones out there that they revenue share with you. So they're like, okay, we're going to get part of your growth. Well, I got two partners. One is John and one is my wife. I don't need any more partners than that, really, at this point. You know, like, I just believe that we and good companies will charge you a fee for a service. And we charge Mm -hmm. a fee on a monthly basis to make it spread out over the year. They can pay us yearly if they want. That'd be great. Um, But that lets them know is we're providing this service for you. This is the fee everything you grow because you're putting in the effort to change things and grow the business, right? We're just coaching you. Um, that's all yours. I shouldn't be getting a percentage of your growth on top of it, you know? Um, so that's just our opinion on, you know, how to find and why we put together this, this kind of personal part of our coaching and it's, it's done by our team. It's not just John and I, we do have a team that helps us accomplish that with the practices.
0: Well, I can tell you, I had a, a buddy that signed a contract and he, he hits pr- profit share. I was like, you were asking my opinion about this company and I told you other companies to try. I told you avoid profit splitting. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like yeah. you were going to give whatever percentage, I don't care what the percentage is for the next four years or whatever. I was like, that's crazy. I was like, let your fee be your fee. I mean, I saw your fee. Your fees are on the, on the right. webpage. I was like, wow, that's pretty straightforward. I didn't realize they were monthly. I was like, I, that part I didn't know. But that's still not bad. I mean, it's not, you know, you got to like think about it for a second. But like what you said, the growth that you're going to experience, it should pay for itself. Well, that's the idea. You know? The
1: average patient uh, for optometrists does about $300 in revenue. Okay. So if they right. sign on. Give me two, please. Yeah. I mean, if they sign on with our $1,000 a month fee, uh, it's, it's basically a little bit more than three patients. Well, if we can't help you and you implement change to see three more patients a month, then we should not be in business
0: I mean, you know
1: yeah. um, but it does take for them to listen and and imply you know and implement some of the the changes to accomplish that. but uh how about seeing one or two more a day, and there's twenty to twenty five work days depending on how many days your office is open you know that's that's really what we're going after
0: so yeah, for sure. Well, let's switch gears just a little bit. Actually, it's a lot. We're going to go straight to personal. I love these questions. Um, you both have kids. Sounds like you got two, two each. I got four. <laughs> you have four.
2: Yeah, I got two. So oh. you're, you're lucky okay. i here, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Not dead.
0: <laughs> okay. Normally I ask about like the spouse, but now I'm kind of curious <laughs> – your fathers, y'all, y'all sound like you have a lot of businesses involved. It's time consuming. Sometimes y'all travel. I'm sure. How do y'all be attentive and, and good fathers to your children to where you, you know in 20 years you won't look back and say, "Oof, I missed their childhood." That's a bad situation.
1: I'd say for for me, well, one thing is having uh, a. A great wife and i'm not just saying this because she's going to hear this and i'm going to get points um she's you know she really supports what we do together whether it's john and i and our businesses together and and us as a husband and wife and, and trying to teach our children to be more successful because um, the world is is not getting easier for the future generations it's becoming more and more challenging to be successful you know so i want them to be able to look at what we do and I do and set an example for them to be successful. So it, it's it, 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 and it's a challenging thing. You know, you're, you're fighting. We're trying to teach them to be exceptional and exceptional does not mean popular. And, and I'd say that that's the biggest challenge, I think, in parenting. But I actually spend I feel more quality time with my kids now than I did 15 years ago. A lot of it has to do with scheduling. And I know people are going to say, you mean you schedule time to be with your family? Yes, I schedule time with my family and that time I am with them. I am not answering the phone. I am not paying attention to anything else that's going on because, you know, my daughter is going to be 13. After about 30 minutes, she doesn't want to be with me any more than that in, in sections right now right she wants to be with her friends and riding bikes into the town and doing things and so forth so um i'm more about the quality on uh, you know uh, time and focus time more than just being available you know all saturday and all sunday you know that I, i'm not a i don't do that
0: me personally right especially here with daughters it's it's they can just talk to you and vent it out, almost like a patient. You can let them talk. After about ninety seconds, they'll stop. It might feel like an eternity to you, but like they'll eventually, they'll just quit. Even a long-winded person only talks about <laughs> three or four minutes.
2: You got to come to our office, uh, Justin. There's a few patients that can talk for about two hours. <laughs> I think
0: oh, that's that's another. Scare. Oh no, <laughs> I'm in the I'm in the right field then. <laughs> I'm going to need you to lay down and be That's quiet right. while I adjust your back. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
2: for, for myself, uh, you know, quality of time is, is extremely important because, um, I'm on my second marriage. Now I see my, I have a, a, a two year old uh, with my second marriage. And then my first marriage, I have three older children. Um, so I don't get to see them every single day. So when I do see them, um, the time is precious for me. You know, my, my, Three oldest are. I have a seventeen-year-old uh, girl. I have a fifteen-year-old boy and a fourteen-year-old boy. Um, so my seventeen-year-old, she uh, she's going to be a senior this year, uh, and uh, you know, so a lot of college stuff going on with her. She's, you know, they're all wonderful kids. But at this point, uh, you you raise them to try to be wonderful kids, and then it gets to the point where okay, now they're they're great kids most of the time, but I, I need to raise them, my older ones now, to be great adults. Mm-hmm. You know, when when I grew up, I grew up in a lower middle class family and, you know, there was a lot of motivation just naturally because uh, besides love, my family didn't have too much else um, and you don't need that much <laughs> else. So So my children need to understand that, but they also need to understand that, you know, they didn't grow up in that type of an environment they you know they my children grew up in a nice house in the nice car and you know how how do you motivate your children in other ways for me a lot of the motivation was trying to get you know better material things whether it be a house or a car when i was a young kid you know that was that was just what it was because all of my family didn't have that um so now uh it's more you need to be creative on how to you know motivate your children uh if you already have those things and a lot of it has to do with just giving back to others and doing the things you you love in in general um realizing that family no matter what is the most important thing and and you know that whole work life balance thing I, personally i can't stand that phrase but you know i, I
0: Nobody seems yeah, to. I
2: mean, I feel as though it. Um, you know, life is life, and, and work is a part of it. One shouldn't be thought of as the anti of the other, right? Like work shouldn't be thought of right. the anti. Uh, you know, of, of living. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Change your job. Yeah, yeah. Love you it. want
2: you want to be able to do all of that together. So um, you know, we just try to instill that in our children, and and put in a really good worth work ethic and respect are the two big things
0: for me. You know, I could probably tell you, especially for y'all too, you've got this business sense and you want to pass it on to your kids. And that's something I'm thinking about. I'm like, okay, you, you know, sometimes you don't have to go to college. Like, if you're really good at marketing, mm-hmm. you can have a lot of money doing Facebook ads or, you know, buying and selling real estate. There's so many ways you can make money in America. You don't have to be a doctor and a lawyer right. these days. But, you know, when they're 15, you're kind of a dummy. You're the parent. You don't – you know. <laughs> Whatever you say doesn't really right. matter. And I'm just like, well, wait, how do I, you know, because I got a cousin that's in college and she's like, man, there's so many things I want to talk to her about, but I don't really think she cares. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? You're right. I, I agree with that. And because we all went through that and some yeah. people get it a little earlier and some people get it a little later and some people never get it. Um, but, you know, the, the, that's the thing where you're there to be the guide. Uh, you know, I know there are certain things that I'm there for as a parent. I don't need, you know, I, I, I love being friends with my children, but I, I don't need to be their best friend. I don't need, you know, to be even a good friend. I, I need to make sure that they're guiding them to make the right decisions and how easy it is to make a wrong decision, you know? Yeah. So it, it's it's more of just that guidance and because and, uh, they don't know what they don't know. I know. There, there's that mindset out there where they talk about well don't push your kids into doing this don't push your kids into that well you know what you, you got to push your kids you got to push your kids into doing certain things or, or they'll do nothing My,
0: they're playing video yeah, games all day otherwise. Yeah, they're just
2: lazy at 13 14 i mean going through that stage especially with the boys i mean i got to be on them all the time if you just allow them to just think up things and do their own thing they don't know anything uh how how do you expect that i I don't agree with that that type of mindset at all i mean i I really feel as though you know you don't want to negatively force them into a position but you 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 just have to be the guide and and if they're straying down that wrong road you got to just you know knock them back into place sort of
1: (laughs) not physically
2: no not physically
0: (laughs) give them give them opportunities to try different things you know well, I, I saw the news, some kids, you know they got to be teenage boys, pushed over some balanced rock that was there for millennia, and they pushed it over a cliff, it fell, and it shattered, and something that's been there for, like I said, like three, four, five, six hundred years is now gone, because some kids were bored right. one day. Yeah. I was like, wow, I hope they find them. Yeah. yeah, a split second, everybody was like, yeah, do it, do it, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's exactly
2: right, and that, that, that can happen in any scenario, right, so that's why it's scary
0: uh yeah do some crack yeah, okay that's yeah. right <laughs> so anyway last question y'all ready for this go one? for it all right we got phones there's so many fun apps out there and i'm not talking facebook i'm talking they could be business or whatever you like what do you like as far as apps go and uh any books that you secretly love and the ones that you would definitely recommend for others or a podcast yeah.
1: so i would say for me I'm a big follower of Grant Cardone's podcasts, and mm-hmm. I know historically people are like, "Well, that has nothing to do with your industry," but I believe it does. You know, it's uh, you know, he talks about you know his background and his trade is is selling, and selling in our industry is a uh, you know obviously a word that people don't like, but you need to be able to network and, and sell yourself and be confident in your own ability. And if you cannot do that, well, then how do you expect someone else to come to your office for your services? Yep. Um, I do have a real estate investment company, and that's how my relationship with him started uh, a few years ago, actually. I've learned a great deal from his podcasts on real estate, investing in money, and he gives a very different viewpoint and it actually has aligns with a number of my values not um financially but not all of them uh, so that's a, a great thing and, and uh, one of his books that i've read is uh sell or be sold is the one of my mm. favorites and and it really tells you that if you're not going to do it yourself well someone else is going to do it and you're going to be left out right it's kind of uh i i think an important part of of what I tried to develop for myself and for our, our company together in, in teaching and coaching, um, our clients, you know, that they could really do these things and accomplish them. And if they don't, well, someone else is going to do it. And then they're going to be left out. Uh, True. for
2: me, I, I love my Starbucks app.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Come on, <laughs> pick a better
2: coffee. <laughs> But no, uh, as far as books go, uh, there's a book by Ray Dalio. It's D-A-L-I-O. It's called Principles, Life and Work. Uh, Mm -hmm. That is an incredible book. Uh, He's a huge hedge fund manager, but um, the way that he put together his his business is just mind-blowing. I don't want to even discuss any of it because it's just so good and i really uh, i'm a huge advocate of this guy he, he's pretty incredible he talks about you know the the basis is just sort of really trying to find what's true and in a business and how to do that but really you know unbelievable as far as
0: tony robbins interviewed that guy for his book that money book yes that put out. he
2: did Yes, he did.
0: Yeah, it was really good. Yeah,
2: he's pretty phenomenal. I mean, he actually even does um, like animated things on YouTube to make it easy to understand how the economy works and Ooh. and cycles. So so the up and down cycles of the economy. They're brilliant. They're they're mm-hmm. really they're brilliant. So so that would be uh, you know my two cents there.
0: Very good. Well, how can people find you guys?
1: Well easiest way seems to be social media that everybody's finding us now on, on Facebook under uppercut consulting. Our website is also uppercutadvantage.com, but whether it's through social media, direct message or I mean, our team is pretty good in ourselves at at being found. It seems these days, I mean the social media aspect of things is really, you know, I'm going to tell you for years, I never really embraced it and, uh, I guess that's the old school in me, protect, you know, protect and not let anybody know kind of what we're doing. But uh, I guess with probably about two years ago, we started really just doing some answering questions and started happening where they were just put on social media. And it's kind of just gotten a mind of its own and kept going at this point. So. Uh, it's been a great way to reach people, and we've met so many great people that way through collaboration and, and gotten uh, all of our, our content is really questions from people that follow us. So it's been it's really been really enlightening to be able to help and answer people's questioning. Through our Facebook and our website there are the two best ways. Yeah,
2: on the website, there's that thing called the telephone number, uh, you know, so, so there's the mm-hmm. telephones. You can give us a call. You know, we we will absolutely speak to you on the phone.
0: (laughs) Hey, the Empire Builder is that your Facebook Live series that you do? Because you got a really great intro on each one. Yeah, so
1: Empire Builder is an episode that I started a year and a half ago on Facebook, and just talking about topics. And uh, it's kind of just kind of kept going with it, and uh, it's been really successful. And I get a lot of not just medical professionals, but it's uh, people looking to start up their own businesses. And um, because a lot of the principles are very similar on what we do, you know, helping set up finance and um, whether it's corporate documents and things in place and, you know, in setting up any type of business, networking, marketing, how to grow your top line. They are very common themes that are outside of medical, also in optometry. So, we've uh, it's been a really rewarding experience. So, that's how the Empire Builder has kind of taken its own name on apparently at this point.
0: Well, if you think about it too, as doctors, typically we're supposed to have the discretionary income where you can have secondary businesses or a real estate empire, you know, a couple of restaurants sure. or whatever it is that you want to do. Like, we're in a position where we should be able to afford those types of things and not just have to uh do the main job all day. Yeah,
1: and it makes it much easier. I mean, uh, that we have this luxury of being able to take discretionary funds and invest it so that we can get other flows of income because you really do need multiple flows of income as retirement age comes and so forth and with all the debt that's going on in the States here. um, You need to protect yourself Mm -hmm. and the best way to do that is to have multiple sources of income and you know, I'm a believer in mailbox money. Uh, I do a lot of real estate and John and I have done real estate together for a number of years and, and it doesn't have to be real estate, but like you said, you do need different flows because when the economy goes up and down, well, one flow might go down, but if the other one's still consistent, it doesn't affect what you're trying to do and your quality of life, you know?
0: Yeah. Very true. All right. Dr. Scott, Dr. John, thank you so much for being on the show, and I'm definitely hoping that you will get some clicks from this podcast.
1: Thank you, Justin. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having
0: us on. Did you know I am offering a Cupping 101 online class? You know, I've been in China for a while. I've got a class set up with some TCM docs who do cupping. We'll show you the glass kind and the suction kind. You can find more information at a doctor's perspective dot net slash cupping Right now, we have a pre-sale price, so you're going to save a good chunk of cash by signing up early. Just put your email. You'll get notified when the class goes live. Also, as always, the No Needle Acupuncture book. You can get four chapters, anxiety, low back, insomnia, and headaches. It's got pictures, how to find the points, and of course, all with no needles. Just go to doctorsperspective.net slash protocol, as in needless acupuncture. We had great results the other day from a lady who uh, couldn't do a lunge because of knee pain. Now, knee pain is not an issue. So excited to hear that. Also, the first book, Today's Choice is Tomorrow's Health. A lot of people are looking for a magic bullet. This ain't it. This is saying, hey, look, if you can do small things daily, you will see results. And I'll, I'll give you the blueprints that I use to create an exercise routine, cardio routine, get my nutrition in order, and actually get your finances in order too because that's a big stress in life and of course it talks a little bit about chiropractic so I um, hope you check that out on the uh, website under the resources tab uh, these are my affiliate links that helps out support the show uh, blueberry hosting uh, set for said they've got the power bands and, uh, and they're really really resistant really good to stretch those joints mentor box you can get subscription to watch the author talk about the book so that you don't have to spend the time reading it. Uh, it also comes with workbooks and things like that. It's really quite cool. Primal Health and Nutrition, you can save 10% by going through my link and using the code PRIMALDOC. Uh, it's bone broth. adheres to the autoimmune protocols and a specific carbohydrate diet. Gluten-free, non-GMO, no sugar, dairy-free, all those types of cool things, as well as quick funnels. If you sign up through that or pick up a book from him, through my links, it helps out a little bit. And then, of course, everybody's favorite, Amazon. You can sign up for different things like Prime, Fresh, or Music through our links. And, of course, any of the show notes, when you have books mentioned. Uh, if you follow the link through my site, that will help out as well. Well, that is it. Go on ahead and leave us a five-star review. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain, and this episode has come to an end, I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends, sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on a doctor's perspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair giving you a doctor's perspective.